Blog Talk Radio. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the president and founder of the West Foundation. West, 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 West Foundation. West, Foundation. West, what is West? West, 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 what we, want, what we want to do is we want to impart on these young people that we have opportunity to, uh, to coach, 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 that you got to work every day. You got to work every day to be successful. You can't take any days. You can't take any days off. Even when you don't feel like getting it done, you got to get out there and do it. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. Welcome. It is May 25th. We are only a few days away from probably the West Foundation's busiest month of the year, and that is June. You may be asking, why is June the busiest month? Well, this year, on June 4th, which is not this Friday, but next Friday, we'll be having our inaugural golf tournament. Then on the 25th of June, we will have our annual banquet. And then on the 26th, we'll be having our fourth annual football and cheerleading camp. So there's a lot going on with the West Foundation. And in case you were wondering, the West Foundation is more than just a camp. Overall, what our goal is is to help kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, I want them to chase their dreams because I know there is so much that can be learned from chasing their dreams, things such as teamwork, character, discipline, um, perseverance. All these things can be learned from chasing that dream. But at the same time, we want to help equip these young people with some tools that will help them find that success that that they search for. It might not be in their sport but they can still be successful. And I think that's so important for a young person to understand because I've seen so many kids put so much into it, and now they have, if it doesn't work, um, they have to deal with that. Instead of putting themselves in position, even if it doesn't work, to be successful. And again, I want them to be successful on the field of play. I want that. Because if you get that, that's great. But guess what? We're going to still work on some things that you're going to need to do, even if you find that success on the field of play. Things such as overall nutrition. If I'm playing or I'm not, that's extremely important. Probably one of the most important ones is financial literacy. If you make $40,000 a year or you make $40 million a year, 
if you're not financially literate and don't understand money and what to do with it, you're going to end up broke. And we want to help not, not allow that to happen to these young people. Mental health, mental wellness. Again, regardless if I'm, if I'm had the opportunity to play professionally or not, that's an important thing. Character development. Um, one of my favorite books is by John Maxwell, and the name of it is Talent is Never Enough. And if you don't develop your character, you're not going to go as far as you, your talent could possibly take you because your character is going to hold you down. Leadership. Something else that we're going to talk about, something else that I think is important whether I'm playing my sport or not. Etiquette, uh, interacting with police officers. Once again, it doesn't matter if I'm a professional athlete or not. I still need to understand the concepts of interacting with a police officer. Because at that particular time, being that most athletes are a little bigger than the average person, you already have uh, ease or not at ease because you're a bigger human being. And uh, so that's just something that you've got to take into consideration. But all of these things, and we're going to talk about more besides that, but all of these things are important regardless if I've got the opportunity to play professionally or I don't. But the thing is, one day your sport's going to end. And when it ends, if you are grounded in the things that we're talking about, you're going to put yourself in a position where you can be successful and you will be successful. And that's what we want. That's the bottom line. We want our kids to be successful. So we want to give them all the tools possible to help make that happen. Now, um, as we said earlier on June 4th, we were having our golf tournament. Because uh, here's the thing. Everything we do for our kids is free. So we're raising money to help make sure that um, we can maintain that. And then on June 26th is our camp. Um, Encourage everybody, if you haven't already, uh, sign up your third or eighth grader. Please have them sign up. Go on and pre-register. Because one of the things that we're doing this year is we've teamed up with another organization called Carson Cleats, and we're going to be able to give <coughs> excuse me, all the people that pre-registered a new pair of cleats or sneakers, either new or lightly used. Um, but they'll get a new pair of shoes. And that's big. And the way Carson Cleats came about was mm-hmm. he was 13 when he started it. As you know, kids grow and every almost seems like every time a new season starts. And sometimes halfway through the season, you got to go buy new shoes. And he and his mom were going to buy shoes, and she was talking about how expensive it was. And he asked the question, Mom, what do kids do that can't afford to buy new shoes? Um, so he started an organization, and there's several places around Conway, Myrtle Beach area um, that have drop boxes where you can drop off uh, a new pair of shoes. And we're going to we're partnering with him to be able to um, give these shoes to the kids that come to our camp. So that is a blessing in itself. And uh, we're working on some other partnerships as well, which we'll tell you more about that once we have that solidified. But we're excited. And today is the last Tuesday of the month. And, hey, there's a lot going on. 
But the thought of the day is, am I teachable? And John Wooden, who is probably the greatest coach um, that ever walked the sidelines, or in his case, the hardwoods, he said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. So think about this. After you're, quote, unquote, considered an expert, it's what you learn after that point that really matters. And John Maxwell said, teachability is not so much about competence and mental capacity as it is about attitude. And that's so true. The attitude that you have about learning can make the difference if you're going to be successful or not. Because there are times when you feel like, hey, I know it all. I don't need to learn anything else. And it's at that point that you start regressing. Because I truly believe every day you're going to do one or two things. I'm either going to get better today or I'm going to get worse. There is no such thing as staying the same. So how can I get better? I have to learn something new. Today I have to learn something new. I have to be hungry to discover and to grow. I have to discover new techniques or, or, or just find a way to just sharpen that technique that I'm doing. I have to find a way to grow. And I got to also realize, stop learning. I stop growing. And if I stop growing, it's almost impossible to lead. And if I'm going to be the best that I can be, I have to put myself in position to lead. And some might be thinking, well, hey, I'm not a natural leader. Well, guess what? If nobody else, you have to lead yourself. If you lead nobody else, you still have to be a leader. Now, Leonardo da Vinci said this, iron rusts from disuse, stagnant water loses its purity, and in cold weather becomes frozen. Even so does inaction sap the vigor of the mind. So what he's saying is, if I don't grow, if I don't move, I'm going to shrivel up, lose my purity, and get rusty. And it, that's not what you want to have happen. Even once you get to retirement age, I don't want that to happen. Or should I say in retirement? Because even in retirement, you've got to be doing something to keep yourself sharp. And it has just, just as part of it because that's the case. If you don't do anything, that's what's going to happen. You're going to rust. You're going to lose your purity. Sidney J. Harris, he said this, and he was a, uh, he's a writer. A winner knows how much he still has to learn, even when he is considered an expert by others. A loser wants to be considered an expert by others before he has learned enough to know how little he knows. It's all a matter of attitude. So think about that for a second. If you're considered an expert and you don't try to continue to learn, then you're going to regress. So most experts become an expert because they're always looking to grow and to learn. And that's how they are successful. But I'm sure everybody knows somebody that wants to be considered an expert 
and doesn't know what he doesn't know. So the key is, one, stay humble. Keep that attitude that I want to constantly learn. And if you have that attitude of where I'm trying to constantly learn, then you're going to get better and get better and get better. And you will reach that expert status. And once you reach that status, just as it is on on the playing field, once I make it to the top, it doesn't get easier. I have to get better because now there's a bullseye on my back and everybody's coming after me. So if you win a national championship, you win a conference championship, it's not going to get easier the next year. You got to continue to learn how you can get better. And I'm going to leave you with this. Don't let your talent get in the way of your success. Remain teachable. And I think that's powerful right there. Don't let your talent get in the way of your success. I think there's times where there's a lot of talented people that don't get the most out of their talent because they stop growing. They stop learning. And when that happens, you're not going to be the best that you can be. It's just not going to happen. So you have to continue to keep searching, to keep growing. You have to continue to keep learning. And when you do that, you're going to have a chance for success. You will have a chance. And again, as you know, there are no guarantees in life. But the only guarantee that there is is if you don't put forth some effort, you're not going to be able to get any sustained success. And that's one you can take to the bank. Okay? Now, today, um, you know, one of the things that's just happening right now, uh, first and foremost, big shouts out um, to Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship this past weekend. He's actually the oldest golfer at 50 years old to ever win a major championship. So big shouts out to him. And uh, he's definitely opened that door. And as you know, once that door is open, there'll be other people that will follow. So I would imagine he won't be the last 50-year-old to win a major championship. Um, He was just the first. And then the other big thing that's going on is basketball. We're in the middle of the basketball playoffs. So the questions, um, you got the 76ers and the Wizards. You have the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. And, you know, and the question is with the Nets. If the Nets are healthy, uh, is there anybody out there that can beat them? You got the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat, the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. You got the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. And, hey, will the Lakers get get out of this round? That is the question. LeBron has been extremely uh, good in in this round, the first round. So let's see if they get out of this first round. Um, You got the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers, Clippers and the Mavericks. And, again, you know, uh, I think 
One of the big ones that come on tonight at 7.30 is the Nets and the Celtics. And I think just if the Nets are healthy, they're going to be a really, really, really tough team to beat, a really tough team to beat. And then you got the the Clippers and the Mavericks at 10.30 tonight, which, once again, um, I, I got to go on and say I, I think the Clippers are going to, going to go on and get this one. Now, the Suns and the Lakers, question before, will LeBron pull his Lakers up by the bootstraps and find a way to win? Now, tonight's going to be a big one for him because the last couple of years they did lose game one um, of the first two series last year. But they came back and won. So will they find a way to go on and, and, and fix this and, and get themselves back ready to roll? That is the question. That is the question, and I think that's probably the one. Uh, so tonight you got the uh, Nelson and Celtics at 7.30, the uh, Clippers and the Mavericks at 10.30, and then the Phoenix Suns and the Lakers at 10. So I would imagine after everybody watched the Celtics and the Nets, most eyes are going to go to the Suns and the Lakers. And I know there's a bunch of Clippers and Dallas fans out there, but but if, if you don't have a team in the fight, that's probably where they're going to be going. Um, of course, we're in the first quarter of baseball season is, is done. So there's a, there's a bunch of things going on. And I would imagine that uh, the OTAs and, and the mini camps are, are getting ready to get started. I'm not 100% sure. I have not talked to uh, any of my friends that are in the NFL as far as how are the COVID protocol going to change what they're doing. Now, last year, they didn't have any mini camps or OTAs. And a lot of kids that would have gotten the opportunity to at least get to camp didn't get that opportunity. Uh, I would imagine some will get an opportunity this year, but a lot of them will not. So, because we got a new class coming in. So, the guy that's been out for a year is less likely to get in the mix than the guy that's just coming out this year. But what is that protocol going to look like? Is it going to be normal? Now, it depends on where you are. Um, there's some places that I've gone and it looks like we've never had COVID. And there's some places where people are still wearing their masks. Uh, so, it's, I think it depends on where you are in the country. And sometimes where you are in the city as far as what that's going to look like. And we'll see. We shall see. But uh, we're going to go on and uh, listen to a little video or a little soundtrack here, some motivation, and then I'll be back shortly with my first guest of the night where we're going to talk a little bit of academics and the importance of academics and how that can help set people up for success. Hold on. Somebody said, E, what's your alarm clock? My passion. My dreams wake me up. I don't need no alarm clock. I'm going to bed pissed that I got to go to bed. Some of you going to sleep and you don't deserve to be. You don't deserve rest. Lazy. You don't deserve rest. Rest is for people who work. You ain't doing nothing. Every day you chilling. 
You need to know your why. And my why wakes me up every single morning. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? And that's so important. Look, ain't no more talking. This is it. If you ready to take your game to the next level in whatever it is, sports, life, business, whatever it is, health, listen to me very closely. You got to change that mindset. Somebody came up to me. They said, E.T., man, I'm tired, E.T. I'm tired, E.T. I put in the work, E.T. I'm not seeing the results, E.T. I'm ready to give up, E. I'm ready to give in, E. I did what you told me to do. I read the book you told me to read. I put in the hours you told me to put in. E, I'm doing it, and I'm not seeing anything. My why is every single day when I wake up, every minute of the day, every hour of the day, I have an opportunity. Somebody who quit, somebody who gave up, somebody who stopped in life. I have the power at my nickname, the refresher. I have the power as the refresher to make you believe again, to make you get up when you got up three times and you say, I'm not getting up no more. When you get to the point where enough is enough, when you get to the point where it hurt real bad, when you get to the point you can't take it no more, when you get to that point, I'm telling you, I can't explain it to you, but doors start opening, opportunities start happening, but what you cannot do is you cannot quit doing the process. Why? 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 I'm about to wrap this thing up, listen to me, you can't make a difference. Until you make a decision I do want to say this to those of you who are watching Who are not yet where you want to be Like keep going Like keep going Don't quit You're already in pain You're already struggling Like get something for your pain I realized at some point when I looked at my family's history, I was like, some things I don't want. There's some things I want, but there's some things I don't want. And then I, I remember having to re- say one day to myself, like, yo, you are your father's child. Like, yo, even though you didn't, he didn't raise you, even though in the beginning you guys had, you know, whatever little stuff y'all need to get through, E, don't lie. You are lazy at times. You know what I'm saying? Like, E, you are super social and you'd rather talk than work. You know what I'm saying? I just had to grow up one day and just be real with myself and just say, E, the only way you're going to be successful is you've got to discipline yourself. Yeah. You know, when you, look at, uh, when you look at a horse, I'm talking about a thoroughbred, it still needs that, what is that thing called that they put on it? Yeah. it, it, it still need, he needs that without, you know, you can't, you, you got to control him. You know, he got a lot of juice, got a lot of energy, he can go for it, but you, you got you to gotta hone that. Yeah. And so I realized, like, yo, E, you sleep in, you play video games, don't lie to yourself. You, you are powerful, but you have some vices, yeah. and you have some vices that take you down a crazy road. Like, you are your father. You are your grandfather. You are your mother. You are your grandmother. Like, it's real. And so I start saying, okay, E, you got to discipline yourself. And this is for me. This ain't for everybody. I start getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, you're going to have to get up a little bit earlier because you didn't finish school. Mm-hmm. You didn't take care of your business. So you can't get up the same time another man who gets up who handles his business. So you need to get up at 3 if you're going to catch the grapes. You got to get up at 3. You got to go to bed earlier. This is why I said I never drank or smoked because the men in my life who did it were extremists. I had an uncle who died, cirrhosis of the liver. 
You know, I had other uncles who drank, and, and my father, bless his heart, but he was strung out on drugs for about 14 years. And I was just like, yo, E, you can see that they don't know how to do it casually. Like, they ain't social drinkers. Like, they ain't social on something. They taking it to a whole other level. And so for me, it was like, E, you got to discipline yourself. You're not going to die if you never know what alcohol tastes like. But if you taste it, you might have the same experience they had. So you just got to discipline yourself. You know, I do vegan most of the time. You know what I'm saying? And I tell people, I love fried chicken. I love macaroni and cheese. I love a lot of desserts. But in my family, is diabetes. So it's like, yo, E, if you do what they do, then you're going to get the results they got. So you, yeah, chicken is good and macaroni and cheese, the way my grandma make it is great. And yes, the pound cake is phenomenal. But if you want to be with Didi for the next 30, 40 years, and you want to be able to walk, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to be on the cruise. I was just on the cruise, and they, they, a couple people, you know, was on the motor scooter. You know what I'm saying? People with the cane and the walk. And I'm not mad at them. But I'm like, I don't want that. I want to be able to walk at 60, yeah. at 70. I want to be independent at 80 if I can be. So I'm going to have to make some sacrifices now for the long run. Whatever it is I say I want, I want it like air. You know, and air is one of those things that, you know, because people always say, well, why you say, why you say air? Like, why you say, because you go without that for a few seconds, my friend, it's a wrap. It's done. So there are people who want stuff, but you kind of want it. Or you want it bad, but you don't want it as bad as you want to breathe. So to me, obsession is wanting something so bad that, you know, I go to bed with I wake up to it. I make whatever sacrifice. I grind. Like, it's like I can't live without it. And so there are people who fantasize, romanticize about stuff. But, like, they're not obsessed with it. So when they say uh, fried chicken or uh, the salmon, I'm like, I don't really like salmon like that, but salmon. Or the vegan burger. All right, give me the vegan burger. Wow. You know, that's not what I want to eat, yeah. but I'm obsessed with Didi's health. I'm obsessed with our marriage. I'm obsessed with the love. I'm right. obsessed with her. So I'll do, whatever, I'll do whatever it takes. That's what obsession means to me. Not saying it or dreaming it or fantasy, but I'll do whatever it takes mm. to make that dream become a reality. I've been, you know, speaking for over 20 years. I study people. And I'm like, yo, my man graduated magnum cum laude, summa cum laude. Why is he broke? Right? I'm just like, it's, I'm thinking if I was that smart, right. it would seem like I would just own half the world. Exactly. But what I realized is it doesn't make a difference if you're smart, born in a wealthy family, born broke. I realized what makes people different is the energy level that they have. And the energy level is because of what's driving them. You feel me? So if you got a, a Ford Focus, that's a baby engine. That, it's just, a, it's not wrong with a Ford Focus. It's just a baby engine. And when I was coming around here, I could tell it, it's not going to make it, you know, in all these neighborhoods right here. You know what I'm saying? But when you, you look at an F-150, that engine is, it can pull a lot. It, you can put bricks in there. You can construction. You can if you a, a snowboard, whatever you want to do. You can put a vehicle on that sucker and drive it because of the engine. And so what I try to explain to people is like, yo, you got to understand that if you got these big old dreams with these little small engines, you got these big old dreams with double A batteries, bro. Big old engine, I mean, big old dreams with a D battery. You can't power nothing with that. So when I say easy, that's like up. That's a big end. That's V12. That's like, don't give me all. So you got 87 octane. You know, you got 89. You got 93. It's all, it's all gas, but it's different. And so when I say a gazelle, like a gazelle is only driven by, I don't want to get caught. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to get caught. So, so, so when you're running because you don't want to get caught versus you chasing because you got to feed your fat, you got cubs. It's just a difference. So after running for so long, first of all, I didn't even have no plans on running. 
So that's number one. Like, I ain't had no plans on running. So now you got me running when I ain't had no plans on running. So guess what? After so long of running and you still behind me, I'm about to give up because I didn't have no plans on running. So now it's like I'm running, 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 running. I'm looking at you and you're still behind me. And I'm just like, you know what? Since I'm not running toward nothing anyway, I just get weak and give up. But if I'm running toward you and saying, my wife got to eat, my son got to eat, my daughter got to eat, and they're not going to make it if I don't come back with something, then I'm not going to stop until I get that thing. So that's why I'm saying, like, yo, what's pushing you? What's driving you? And if the right stuff ain't dry, look, you can't come back to Didi and say, yo, D, I'm sorry, I ain't catching nothing today. You can't say that to Didi. Didi don't want to hear it. Didi's like, all right, go back out and get it then. Don't come back until you get it. And because I want to be with her, I'm like, Gazelle, it's just a matter of, yeah, it's, you going like, to, look, look, I don't even have to be strong. I'm just going to keep running, and you're going to stop sooner or later, and I'm not going to stop. Dream big, but get small wins, though. You know what I'm saying? You can dream big, but get the small wins. And those small, I'll never forget uh, hearing John Elway speak once. You know, John Elway was like, yo, I became great by being good over a long period of time. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Every third Monday of January, we celebrate the life and legacy of American icon Martin Luther King Jr. But just who was Martin Luther King Jr. or MLK? Born Michael King Jr. on January 15, 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia, MLK followed in his father's footsteps when the elder king changed his name in honor of German Protestant religious leader Martin Luther. As a young man, MLK was disciplined heavily by his father and was greatly influenced as well in his views on race issues. After renewing his relationship... Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and I have my man, Malone Silver, here with me. Uh, He works over at the University of South Carolina. Malone, how's everything going? Good evening, good evening. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Everything's going good. Well, good, 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 good. Sounds like them boys uh, are over at the University of South Carolina, the freshmen, just getting on campus, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We had our, uh, our freshmen, our incoming guys uh, come in today. Today was their first day uh, being on campus. So, you know, we're ready to rock and roll. Well, good, 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 good. Well, before we get started, just talking a little bit about academics, tell us a little bit about your background. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Again, uh, my name is Malal Silver, and I currently serve as a football academic advisor at the University of South Carolina. Uh, A little bit about myself, um, I started uh, my career as a a college football student athlete. I played uh, college football at Elizabeth City State University, a small Division II HBCU in uh, Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Um, From there, I went on and got my degree in sports management, um, and I went on and interned with the Carolina Panthers, and I worked in their guest relations and community relations department. Um, from there, I ended up 
um, really was still, still trying to find my niche and wanted what I wanted to do. So I went into high school coaching, um, and I was coaching defensive backs at Salisbury High School in Salisbury, North Carolina. Um, so after I finished done, I was done with coaching, I ended up uh, working at Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the Blue Raiders. Um, and I worked in their athletic marketing and game day operations department. Uh, from there, I went on and I was serving as a role of academic advisor at Prairie View A&M University in Prairie View, Texas. And I was there for four years working with the football, men's and women's basketball team and doing uh, student athlete development as well. And for the past three years, I've been at the University of South Carolina where I solely uh, work with their football um, department. So you've been around the country. Yes, sir. I've been, I've been quite uh, a lot of places. Right. Now, where are you from? Are you from North Carolina? Yes, sir. I'm originally uh, from Elizabeth City, North Carolina. So small towns, about uh, 45 minutes from North Virginia and, and 45 minutes from the Outer Banks. Right, right. The, so you didn't go far for college. You just stayed home. Yes, sir. Well, cool, 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 cool. The um, now, how, what bars? Because you went from marketing and game day to academics and student development. How did you make that transition? Well, I had a I had a mentor at the time um, that was pretty much you know telling me that you know it was a, a good field to get into, um, and and if, if you know you would have told me when I was in college and years ago that I would be working in academics with student athletes, I would have thought you was crazy. Um, but my mentor, you know, really told me like, Hey, this is something that you really need to look into. Um, you have all the tangibles and the tools to be in a position to um really help and assist young men and women on a day to day basis. Um and then serve as just like a, a mentor, a, a role model as well as just since I'm being a former student athlete, I can really be relatable to those students as well. Um, and I took a chance on it. I took a chance, and the next thing you know, eight years later, here I am um, still working in academics and, and serving student-athletes on a day-to-day basis, and I'm, I'm very thankful and, and privileged of the opportunities that I was given um, that has brought me into this position that I'm in today. Good, good. It's, it's a great position, and I think education is, is so important, and as you know, I'm going to say every athlete, uh, especially football, that comes to University of South Carolina anticipates they're going to be playing on Sunday when they leave. Absolutely. But how many of them actually get that opportunity? It's, it's very slim. And I, I will say this, um, all of all of our student athletes, they come in, and that's their goal. And as support staff members working in academics, um, we're going to support those guys. You know, if if that's your dream and that's your goal, you've been working your whole life to get to that point. And when you come to the University of South Carolina, we're going to push you to get to get to those positions. Um, at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, is is very rare and is very slim um, to make it there. And you and I both know being a football student athlete on top of competing at the highest level in college football in the SEC is tough. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, yep. and everyone can't make it. Um, so that's where my job comes in and, and support staff members comes in to, you know, to push our student athletes. If, if they want to go to the next level, we're going to support them. But it's my job as well to teach these young men to have a backup plan as well. Um, and to most importantly, make sure that they leave South Carolina with a college degree. I mean, and also just those tangibles of, for life as well after they leave the University of South Carolina. Yeah. Now, now here's a, a stat that I figured out back in, in my coaching days. Uh, of course, you know it's less than one percent of all college athletes get opportunity um, to get drafted uh, or to play college or play professional football. You know, in the SEC, that number rises to about fourteen percent. Wow! So definitely, being in the SEC, you got a better chance. But it's still not enough to uh, bet the bank on, and, right. and I think that's why the education piece is so important. Um, because if you, and this is what I used to tell guys all the time, one day, and unfortunately I had this happen to me, one day it could be one man's decision if you ever play this game again. But if you get your education. Nobody can ever take that away from you. Take that away, absolutely. Because it's, it's yours. And and I think that in itself is a big part of helping those kids be successful. Yes, sir, absolutely. And the thing that I love is, is so much that they can learn from striving to reach their goals. And... uh one of the things I I always was like, hey, I want guys that want to play in the NFL because that means you're going to do all the little things right. Now, some of them still didn't do the little things right, but at least I could call them out on it. Um, yes, sir. But, but just that discipline will carry over into other things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of big companies like athletes, don't they? They sure do. Sure and do. why do they like athletes, in your mind? Why do they like athletes? So? Because the the determination, the drive, the work ethic, um, accountability piece, athletes from, from an early age, you're taught to be on time for things, learning discipline. And those big-time companies, they're looking for those things like that. They're looking for those tangibles. They're looking for those transferable skills from being an athlete of, to going into corporate America. And those are a lot of great tangibles that these CEOs, CEOs and things like that are looking for when it comes to student athletes. Right, right. You know, determination, that drive, that work ethic, accountability, um, teamwork. Yep. And leadership. Yep. Now, what all are you all doing? Because I know you're saying you're doing some student development just to help them um, post-graduation. Um, what kind of things do you do? You all uh, do anything on all these things uh, as far as workshops or anything? Yes, sir. So. Um, we have we have various programs for our, our student athletes um, in general. 
um, but particularly with our football student athletes. Um, as soon as they come in at the, at the University of South Carolina, um, their freshman year, um, they go through our financial literacy program, um, and we bring in um, founders, and um, they help our student athletes learn more about financial literacy um, early on. Um, so, because as you know, um, they get they get their checks and things like that, um, and we also want to make sure that they're utilizing their money wisely as well. Because you know, 18, 19 year olds, they want to go buy shoes, video games, and things like that. So it's so important for mm-hmm. us to bring people in to help them and get them to understand the importance of knowing how to manage your money at an early age. So we bring them in and we take our student athletes through um, pretty much like a real life scenario. You get a, you'll get basically like a credit card, and we'll take them through different shops and things like that. Um, like they need money for Amazon accounts, uh, Netflix. Okay, you have a car payment. Um, you got to pay your credit card bill every month. So we give them various scenarios like that to help them understand and prepare to really knowing how to become an adult. Um, and that's the most important thing as well. And then their sophomore year, um, we actually uh, put them in a position where they can learn about professional dress. Um, the good thing about our student athletes at uh, South Carolina, our football student athletes, they get the opportunity to get two suits. Um, they'll get a suit their sophomore year, and then they'll get a suit their senior year. Um, as you know, when you first coming in, your sophomore year and things like that, you're still growing. When you get to your senior year, uh, you should definitely be able to a point where you can be a, in a good suit and things like that too. Uh, so we teach them about professional dress, knowing how to um, dress professionally and things like that as well. Um, their junior mm-hmm. year, uh, we take them through like a networking seminar where we'll bring various companies in. Um, they get an opportunity to network with various companies. Um, and they can provide with their resumes and cover letters and things like that and just network with them because once they leave the University of South Carolina, let's say they don't get an opportunity to play professionally, you will still have that connection um, so you can go back and refer to them if you want to get an internship, if you want to get a full-time job or something like that. So we always want to make sure that we're putting our student athletes in good position to be successful as well. Um, And then in their senior year, uh, we take them through knowing uh, how to dinner etiquette and things like that. Um, and so we'll bring in people to actually show them how to properly uh, conduct themselves in a, in a business manner or like a dinner setting as well. So um, we also give them opportunities to do like a hands-on internship, paid internship where they can go out and intern with local companies or businesses um, and actually get hands-on working experience and also at the same time get paid. Um, so we, we definitely put our student-athletes um, in the best position to be successful um, that will prepare them once they leave South Carolina. Right, right. The uh, I believe financial literacy is probably one of the most important um, things to cover and is one that we here at the West Foundation talk about um, probably the most, you know, from, as you said, from credit to budgeting to investing, whether it's in stock market, uh, whether it's in real estate, um, looking at life insurance as an asset, all of these things is important financial literacy, and I think that is huge. I applaud you all for that. And then that professional dress that sophomore year, oh, that's huge. Yes, sir. That's huge as well, because... Most of these kids, you know, they've never put on a suit. 
And, uh, you know, I was, I saw once where a kid came in for an interview. He got on a blue suit and white socks. I'm like, wow. what you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? That's all I had. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I get you some dark socks in that dark suit. Um, so, so that, but, but again, if you never think about that, if you've never been in that situation, you're just going to wear what you got. Yep. And I think it's, I think it's so important as well. Um, as we're teaching these young men, for me personally, on a day-to-day basis, I do it my best to dress in a professional setting as well. So I can show them, this is how you do it. So if they see, Mr. Silver Malone doing it, this is how it's supposed to be done. And I always try to, you know, instill in, in those type of things into my students as well. Yep. That is, that is, that, hey, that's a great point. So it's, because unfortunately there's too often where some leaders or people posing as leaders say, do as I say, not as I do. And and that shouldn't be the case. You should you should right. go on and be an example of what you should do. And Absolutely. Uh, that's uh, that's a great thing. And then of course, as you know, networking is so important, so important. And I, I I'm actually worried about our young people because they're so text driven where they don't really reach out and speak to people or pick up the phone, that I think that networking piece, um, they're going to be lagging behind. Have you seen that, or or am I just over-exaggerating my thoughts? No, I I see it a lot. Um, Even when it comes to uh, one-on-one interaction with my students on a day-to-day basis, Right. And it's it's little things, you know, it's little things like when you're interacting with a person, you're talking to them, shaking their hand firmly, um, also looking the person in the eye when that person is talking to them. Um, so it's, it's those type of things that you really see um, in more so in this, this new generation where, you know, they're not, they're not fully equipped and prepared uh, for those kind of settings when it comes to, uh, networking mm. and things like that. So that's why it's so important for people like ourselves to really instill and teach these uh, young men and women on fully how to do those type of things. Because like you said, everything is so tech savvy now. Everyone is text and everyone is FaceTime and everyone is on social media. And we're not really, um, we're going away nowadays from actually having a one-on-one conversation with people. Everything is just so, you know, text this and and FaceTime and, you know, no more face-to-face interaction where you can actually have a a conversation and get to know a person, where they're from, who are their people, um, what do you like, you know, what are some things that you're into um, and things like that. So I agree with you 100% that we have to get this new age generation away from that. Yeah, you know. I was actually, a couple of years ago, I had my daughter and about three of her friends who was going somewhere. I don't recall where. But uh, one of them said, Mr. Sands, you all had it rough. 
I was like, what do you mean? You all didn't have cell phones. I was like, yeah, that's true. That means you all had to talk to each other. You couldn't text. I was like, huh? That was a good thing. I mean, to sit around and, and, and talk to your friends, that's a good thing versus just texting them all the time. But uh, right. that's, hey, I'd rather text them than talk to them. It's, it's so impersonal in my mind, um, that text. So I would rather uh, definitely pick up the phone and call most times. And then that etiquette is huge because uh, – you can lose a job the first two or three minutes you sit down at a table um, with somebody talking about an interview, uh, talk over an interview. So that etiquette is huge. It is huge. And, and the internships, these days, what most people want you to have experience when you come out of college. Yes, sir. And uh, and it's great that you're able to make time for those guys in the time to be able to participate in those internships um, because that says wonders, you know, on their resumes. And that will help separate them from everybody else. Yes, sir. No doubt about it. Now, what kind of internships do you have guys doing? Is it just um, stuff around town? Do they travel anywhere or? What does that look like? Well, we have um, so a lot of is is very it varies a lot. Um, a lot of times, too, our students are uh, doing internships for class credit as well. Um, so we have several of our student athletes um, in the past as well um, doing uh, internships with Brent Skinner, uh, where they actually um, had hands-on experience, getting sales experience, as well as right. being in the position to help help other people in the community as well. Um, and they're getting that mm-hmm. hands-on experience. And, you know, it's, 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 it's great. It's a great opportunity, and it's, a, and it's awesome for the guys. And, and believe it or not, it's really great where they can get a college credit, too, um, for mm-hmm. it. And so we have right. uh, a lot of our students in those positions where they can get paid, they're getting hands-on experience, and they're getting a grade for it as well. Mm. I might need to get one of those kids to come be an intern with us over here at the West Foundation. I have to talk to you about that. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We'll love we'll love to get some of the guys out there um and, and get that experience. That's what it's all about. Yep, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And of course there's there's so many different aspects of of even just this non profit, you know, versus it's whether it's fundraising or if it's uh, on the technical side with social media or making graphics or doing administrative work. So there's a bunch of things that can be done. We can we can definitely find something. So, hey, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about that because I, I like to get involved with that. Yes, um, sir. Now, the, uh, now, what does the summer look like for your guys? Do they, do they uh, especially your, your freshmen that just coming in, uh, where they start that financial literacy program in the summertime, and that more something that starts in the fall. Yes, sir. So um, to answer your question, our freshmen they will start the financial literacy program um, this summer. Um, what we do for all of our incoming freshmen, uh, we we take them through our prep program, 
Um, and our prep program mm-hmm. is just basically a program that gets our freshmen, incoming student athletes acclimated to college. Um, and we put right. together programs. We have various speakers come in and talk to the student athletes. Um, and then we give them that hands-on experience of how it will look um, coming to college, email etiquette, um, knowing mm-hmm. how to communicate with your professors, um, knowing where places are on campus, utilizing the shuttle services, um, and then also just knowing how um, to pretty much present yourself amongst various people, um, staff members, professors, various people on campus. Um, so we really put them um, in situations where they're really getting acclimated and, and prepared um, going into the summer as well into their fall semester too. I mean, another thing that I really enjoy um, is we give them hands-on experience of being in a class as well. So we have a class okay. on campus, um, the uh, student athlete experience class, um, and then they get to actually, you know, get to experience hands-on how it will be um, in a class setting um, at the University of South Carolina. Um, so that's definitely um, prepares them for the fall and then the semesters to come as well. So their class is student-athlete experience, and I imagine that can cover a, a, a wide variety uh, of things. Yes, sir. So the, uh, again, part of them knowing that, hey, everybody, you don't know who everybody is, but everybody knows who you are. Yep. So uh, don't ever think you're someplace and nobody don't, people don't know you. Because they yep. will. You know, they're not careful. That can come and bite them in a heartbeat. Sure can. Um, bite them. So. Well, good. Now, do y'all do things every summer? Um, or is it just the freshman freshman summer that they are heavily involved with, with that program? Uh, we do we do things every summer. Our prep program is, is every summer. Um, and then we have various other uh, programs for just um, all of our student athletes in general as well. Um, but our prep program and our, our, our freshman program for as far as transitioning to university, um, that's every year. Okay. Okay. So Good. we'll, do, we'll do that. We'll do that in the summer, and then we'll do a mm-hmm. prep program um, in the spring as well for, like, mid-year student athletes that's coming into the university as well. Right, right. Okay. All right, sounds like a great program. Sounds like a great program. So, now before we close, let me ask you one more question. What advice would you give to a young student athlete that has aspirations um, to play at the highest collegiate level and hopefully get to the professional level? My first, my first advice I would say is most importantly. Um, be humble, um, be coachable, um, be an upstanding uh, young man, and most importantly, making sure you have your house in order and your affairs in order. So when I say your house in order, I'm not physically talking about a house. I'm actually talking about where that comes from, you know, your academics most importantly, um, and because you and I both know you know, if you don't have the academics, there's no need to even, like, waste your time on that. So most importantly, mm-hmm. making sure you're having your academics together, uh, making sure that, you know, you're marketing yourself as well, too. 
you're marketing yourself, you're getting your name out there, having people know who you are. Um, and then most importantly, um, like I said earlier, being coachable and, and teachable as well. Um, no one wants anyone that knows it all. No one wants to be around people that think they have already arrived. And going back to what I said earlier, being humble um, and most importantly, wanting to do great things. Um, and I think those those tangibles and those things uh, will get you to that level. You not some people might not have always have the talent, but just their character, their work ethic, and things like that will get them where they need to be. Um, so that's my advice to any um, young student athletes out there that are looking uh, to play on the highest level in college football, um, or they want to get to the next level professionally as well. Because when you even, mm-hmm. let's say you arrive and you get to where you're trying to go from a, you know, at the highest level of football on the college level, guess what? You got to keep building upon that. Because guess what? Yep. It's going to be these coaches are coming in. They want to know how your character are, how your character is. They want to know, are you on time for things? And guess what? They want to mm-hmm. know how you treat people as well because they're investing millions of dollars into you. So they're going to go ask your coaches how you're doing, how you are, how your character you know, and then guess what? They're going to come in and ask people like myself, support staff members, like, okay, how is this person grades? Are they on time for things? Are they are they on time for their tutors? Are they in the building on time? You know, are they consistent, things like that. Um, so that's my advice uh, to any young student athletes out there that's trying to play on the highest level in college football, but also trying to get to the next level um, to the NFL and beyond as well. Now, Malone, did you did you hear the the first part of our program today? Is that what it was? Uh, no, no, sir. Uh, hey, because my thought of the day was, "Am I teachable?" And wow. one of the quotes used was this by Sidney J. Harris: "A winner knows how much he still has to learn, even when he's considered an expert by others. A loser wants to be considered an expert by others before he has learned enough to know how little he knows." It's all a matter of attitude. And you just hit that right on the head. So, hey, wow. I love it when minds think a lot. Yes, sir. But, hey, man, I do appreciate it and uh, enjoyed having you on. Definitely want to get you back on again sometime. Uh, so maybe we can go in-depth in some of these other programs. Um, and definitely we're going to get together uh, so I can we can talk about possibly getting an intern over here with the West Foundation because we're doing a lot and definitely yes. love to, um, you know, be able to shine in some of those young student athletes. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. And thank you so much uh, for having me. I really appreciate it and I really enjoy the great things that you're doing on the show. Um, I tune in from time to time. I know when you send out uh, the links and things like that, I try to make sure I catch um, at least some of it. So. I really appreciate you, and I and I really enjoy the things that you're doing as well, and and look and foresee it going to the next level as well. Hey man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But hey, we're gonna go to a quick break, and we'll be back in a second. Hold on. Uh, uh, ladies uh, and gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, 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 yeah,
Show. Um, we're back, and now I have our next guest. Is a young man that I had an opportunity to play ball with many, many moons ago, Mr. Jason Pryor. Jason, how's everything going? It's going great, Everett. I uh, I was excited, man, to uh, get your call and the invite to come on your show. Um, as you well know, I, I consider you like a big brother, so I, I was really excited to hear from you. Man, man, it was great, man. I apologize we ain't seen each other in forever. 
So we got to make sure we yeah, remedy that. Yeah, it's been quite some time. <laughs> yep, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But how have you been doing? I've been doing great, man. Um, I'm here back at home in, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, right. I'm happy to be working in the mental health field. I'm a, a licensed professional counselor. And, you know, this is a, a departure from where I actually started my career. I started in sales. Right. Um, and after my sales career, you know, I had always volunteered and decided what would be something I'd do for free, you know. And yeah. so I changed gears. You know, I've always uh, liked working with kids and went back to school and, and became a psychotherapist. Nice. Nice. Now, what kind of sales were you in? Um, I actually did sales for Verizon, um, basically selling uh, T1 lines and equipment, that type of thing for hospitals and, and, and whatnot. Okay. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. And then you figured out what you'll do for free. And, you know, it's kind of yes, like. Yes, sir. I... My wife, you say, if I, get, if I win the lottery tomorrow, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to work. It's like, for real? Yeah, I love what I do. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have no plans of retiring. Well, good. Good, good, good. I'll good, be semi-retired, I think. <laughs> well, you only go to work half the time. Yes, sir. Yeah, so so tell us tell us a little bit about, you know, being a mental health counselor. What what does that entail? What all do you do these days? Um, really what I do is I, I help my clients work through their problems. Um a lot of people have the misconception that when you go see a psychotherapist or psychologist, that they're going to give you the answers to your problems, but that would be incorrect. Um, you know, we don't have a, a magic wand or anything like that, but what we are trying to do is to kind of weed through some of the issues that clients have and help them, help guide them to the solutions. Um, for example, let's say, uh, you know, someone is adjusting to being in a totally new environment, new job, that type of thing. Um, they may be struggling with that, and they may come in and, and not quite be able to pinpoint what the triggers are that are causing their issues, and so we would help them uh, with that. Now, of course, there's some much bigger issues than that, but in, in that example, um, you know, we would do that type of thing. Um we also give recommendations um, to psychiatrists. Uh, really, the difference is psychiatrists are actual MDs, and so okay. they prescribe medicine. We don't prescribe medicine, but we actually mental health, mental wellness, and athletics. It's almost like those two aren't talked about together. That um, is true. That I would agree with that. Why do you think that is? Um. One of the reasons I would say, Everett, is just because of the culture. Um, being athletes, you know, we're kind of taught from a young age that you have to be tough. You know, you, you play through pain. Um, mm-hmm. You don't let things bother you, that type of thing. So looking at it from a mental health perspective, there's kind of a stigma um, if you have some type of mental issue. And so a lot of times, you know, you have young athletes that will go undiagnosed, one, because they don't want to reveal that they're having some type of mental health issue, 
And mm-hmm. two, um, because it may be overlooked uh, by those around them, um, sometimes purposely, and then other times um, because they think that it, it may affect the, the student athlete's performance, um, which it will. But it, it can actually be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, right. The and and I think the I heard somebody say because I have um, a relative that sort of deals with being bipolar. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody say he just need to do better. Um, it's not that easy, is it? No, it's not that simple at all. Um, A lot of mental health issues actually exist at a chemical level, you know, bipolar being one of them. Um, You have certain brain chemistry, and if those hormones are off a bit, then that can cause you to have different symptoms. Um, To make a long story short, let's say with with bipolarism, People who go through a manic stage, it's like having uh, having a, a huge amount of, let's say, adrenaline pumped into your system at one time. And some people may right. stay in a manic stage for a day. Some people may stay in a manic stage as much as 10 days. Right? So imagine um, you're getting ready for a game, right? You know, the excitement and the, the energy that you have before a game starts. So imagine being like that constantly for 10 days. Wow. And there's nothing that you can do to bring that down. And wow. so until yeah. the chemicals balance back out, you know, right. it's, it's really difficult to deal with unless you're on medication that can help you balance that out. But it seems like most, and again, I just know a couple people, and so I say most, it's probably actually most, but some people, once they start feeling better, they quit taking their medication. Is that A lot of people will. Right. It, it happens a lot. Um, sometimes it's because they'll think, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay now, right? Not realizing that it's, it's something that's genetic. Okay. And so it may be a chronic thing where you're going to have to deal with that all your life. Um, schizophrenia is like that. You know, mm-hmm. that's why there's there's really a delay in them diagnosing someone with schizophrenia. You never see a diagnosis of schizophrenia for someone before they're 18 years old. And a lot of it has to do with the stigma that's placed with it, right? Um, plus, when you're small, you may say that you're hearing voices or you see things. And it could be just because you have a very vivid imagination. Right. But but that's different from schizophrenia where there's actually voices that are suggestive to you. And, you know, mm-hmm. because you're hearing these things, you then exhibit a certain behavior behind it. Right. But mostly, um, you know, with athletes, they tend to deal most commonly with things like anxiety disorders, um, mm-hmm. adjustment disorders, uh, mood disorders, and then of course you know there's there's substance use, impulse control, things of that nature. A lot of times, the same characteristics that people may look for 
and a good athlete may also be exhibiting symptoms of a mental health issue. Like most coaches, especially let's say a, a defensive coach, a linebacker coach, you want to find a, a, a kid that's aggressive, right? That's what you're looking for. But you may not know what that aggression stems from, right? So it goes overlooked. It's unnoticed. You just you see that as a great quality, and it may be on the field. However, if that kid is not able to transition that when he's back out in the world, that could cause him some issues. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I had a coach say it once, and I think it's true. He said, you know what? Normal people cannot run full speed into somebody else without slowing up or at least flinching right, right. before contact. Yep. So or closing your eyes. <laughs> yeah. So so I can see, you know, now that you say that, I can see where it could be, well, this dude here, he, he just try to kill everybody. And right. Just, well, is that just him being aggressive or is that a mental issue? That's, it, I never thought of that. See, it it could that. just be him being aggressive, but there's right. a possibility there that there are some issues. Like, I'll use you and I for an example. We play fullback. Right. You gotta be slightly off to play fullback. <laughs> Especially the way we do. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to enjoy contact, things like that. You know, it's it's, it's not yeah. a glamorous position. Nope. But you really gotta like physical things, right? And so mm-hmm. that can be part of your personality trait, or right. it can be a coping mechanism. That's true. So yeah. it can be used as a tool. I, I personally know a kid that I kind of helped redirect him in where he was fighting in school and things like that. And I was like, look, mm-hmm. I want you to do this. All of the people that upset you during the course of the week, I don't want you to do anything in that moment. Can you save that for Fridays? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I said, can you save it? Everybody that does something to you that upsets you, take a mental picture. And on Friday nights, where you won't get in trouble, you go out right. and you place their faces on your opponents. <laughs> right? And I know it sounds sounds all right, but it became a coping mechanism for them, and it worked. Hey, you know the first thing I think about when you say that? The water boy. What's that? Absolutely. The water boy. <laughs> Absolutely. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we'll have issues that they're not really going to go anywhere. But we have right. to learn to put coping mechanisms in place, you know, so that we can function properly with it. Mm-hmm. You know? I hear people tell, especially children, tell children all the time that, you know, anger is, I don't really agree with that. Anger is a natural thing. It's it's something that you should feel, but it's how you conduct yourself when you're angry. That makes right. a difference. Yeah. Because you can use that anger as fuel. And it's just a matter of perspective. It's, it's how you think about it. Um, 
me personally, I, I can remember a middle school basketball coach telling me that you have a bad attitude and you're not going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. First of all, you shouldn't tell a kid anything like that. But exactly, that sunk in. And I said, you know what? I'm going to show him. Right. And so it became motivation. I used the anger that I felt, the pain I felt from that as motivation. And so when I signed my letter of intent to the Citadel, I sent them a copy of it and told them, thank you for the motivation. <laughs> Did he respond to you? He responded. He responded. He was like, you know, he, he didn't, it wasn't anything personal. It was, okay, that's that's fine, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but he had, a, he had an issue managing his emotions. So, but it worked out. We're good. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Um, now, the athletes are no different than anyone else. Right. It's just that, you know, athletes, because of what we do, those things are exposed. Yeah, that's true. That is true. The Now, another, a new acronym that uh, I heard somebody say was PCSD. Post-competition stress disorder. Okay. And And we're just talking about how athletes, when they finish playing, whether it was taken from them because of injury, taken from them because they got cut, or they just stopped playing, that they had to deal with not being able to compete at a high level. Right. And, and, and yeah, um, transitions are normally the most stressful periods for athletes. And that's whether you're coming into a new situation, let's say going from high school to college, or mm-hmm. you're coming to the end of a career, like you said, whether it be by injury or if it was just, you know, you've aged out of your sport or you just can't compete at that level any any longer, and so that can definitely bring about uh, a depression, um, especially with injury, because with injury mm-hmm. you more so feel like it's it's been kind of taken from you. Um, there's right. really like three responses that happens with that. You know, you have a, a cognitive response, and then uh, you really have an emotional response, and then you have a behavioral response. So cognitive response is really how the athlete interprets the, the injury or illness or whatever it was that interrupted their ability to play. Right. right. And then the emotional response, you know, that could be a, a gambit of things. You know, most of the time people are going to feel sadness. They may feel isolation, you know, anger, irritation, frustration, that type of thing. Um Sometimes it may even affect their appetite or their sleep. And then the behavioral response, um, especially with injury, is really going to determine whether or not they're able to get back because the emotions of it is, okay, am I mentally focused enough to do what I have to do to try to do this again? Or 
can I accept that this is the end of it? Right. And for most people, it, it's it's a very, very difficult thing. Um, if you've been doing something, especially if you've been doing it the majority of your life, mm-hmm. and then now all of a sudden you're not able to do it anymore, it's part of your identity is gone. For athletes, sometimes you may feel like all of your identity is gone. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. could be a, a very stressful thing. The, what I've been kind of talking to young athletes about is, you know, we've always been taught, you know, don't have a plan B. You know, if you focus on plan mm-hmm. B, you're not going to do what you need to do with plan A. Right. right? But with fo- young football players that I talk to, I always tell them, don't have a plan B, but understand part of your plan A has to include your transition. Right, I tell right. them the NFL stands for not for long. You know, average yep. career three and a half years. Yep. So you need to go into this knowing that the likelihood of me playing twelve years, fifteen years is mm-hmm. not very high. And let's say even even if I did, let's say I had a ten year career. I'm thirty two years old. I got a lot of yep. life left. Exactly. So I need to include that in my plan. Yes, this is what I'm planning to do, and these are the steps that Mm -hmm. I'm taking to get to college and to get to the next level. However, this is the end goal. The end goal is not just being a professional athlete. The end goal is finding freedom. So this is is part of what I'm going to do after, right? And maybe that should include what am I going to do for others? after I've obtained that goal. And, and I like that. So I, I, I might steal that from you because, you know, a big part of what we're working on here is at the West Foundation is to help kids understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. And Absolutely. one day you're sports. So, so I like where you put that, where it's part of my plan A is in transition after I finish playing. Mm-hmm. So that might be when I finish playing college. That might be right. if I get a couple of years in the league. That might be if I'm like Tom Brady, I spent 20 years in the league. I still have to have that plan for when I transition from playing. I, I love it. So I hope you don't mind if I steal that from you. Oh, not at all. The, not uh, at all. And here is a stat that I that I learned not, not long ago. If you take out the top longevity-wise in the NFL, take out the Tom Brady's, the Drew Breeses, the kickers, the punters, the long snappers, take all them out, the average stay in the NFL drops to 10 and a half months. You said 10 and a half months? Yes, 10 and a half months. Wow. So that's including those guys that go to camp, might make it to camp, but not make it out of camp. Right. Um, not many guys, and that's one thing I'm going to do some research on, how many guys get to their second contract. Not many get to their second contract. That's true. That's true. Especially, especially those running backs. Because they're like, hey, we're going to go get us a, a new one, a, a fresh kid out of yeah. college versus paying you. Yeah, running backs are considered a dime a dozen. So, 
never quite get yep. the money that we deserve. But uh, you know, that's I'm, I'm gonna digress because that's a that's a, a personal <laughs> pain right there. <laughs> I understand. I'm right there with you. We take the pounding, and they're like, "Hey, we can find somebody else. Maybe not. It might yep. be a step slow to you, or not quite as good, but he's fresh, so he can be better." Oh, that's that. It hurts, but that, that's and that's really the last couple of years in the draft. It, it showed because this year there was a couple of running backs taken in in the first round, um, but really the number of running backs taken in the first round. I bet you there's less than 10 over the last seven to eight years taken in, in the first round. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, yeah, like you said, if if you get that first contract that's three years, yep. most likely you're not, you're not going to see that second one. Exactly. You're not going to see go. that second one. Yep. And that's un, un, it's unfortunate, but it's true. It's unfortunate, but it's true. But that's something that, um, you know, from a mental health standpoint, I think that kids got to understand. Um, and we had a young man on, you know, early when we had this, when we first started the show, and he was talking about what you you mentioned earlier about the identity crisis, how so many athletes identify themselves as an athlete first and then themselves second. So when that sport is taken away, now, as you said, part of their identity is taken away. And now that's, there's a mental aspect there that they got to get over. Right. Right. And there's, you know, there's, there's always the anxiety of, okay, how will people see me if I can't do this? Right. And that's, that's part and parcel to, you know, being an athlete. A lot of times you're given privileges Mm -hmm. and, you know, people overlook certain things because Mm -hmm. you have, you know, a, a certain level of ability. And so there's a fear that if I can't do this thing any longer, you know, people not going to treat me the same way. Right. Yep. And, and well, that, that can be troubling. Yep. That can be. That can be. And, and you know what? As a coach, it's the same deal. I mean, hey, you know, I'm transitioning out of coaching, and, and I can see, as you're saying, I can sort of see that at times. Um, but it's your mind is a strong thing. And if and if you're not careful, it can definitely lead you astray. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I, I'll, 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 I don't mind speaking on my my own situation. Um, you know, leaving college, especially, uh, you know, I had seen your success and mm-hmm. Travis' success. Travis gets drafted, right? And we have a situation where you guys had what. On average, two hundred and twenty carries a season. And mine was like cut to a hundred and ten, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was really worried. I was like, you know, I have half the carries. I, I don't know if I'm gonna get the looks that that you know that the other people got, and so right. I had to start preparing myself at that point that 
you know you mm-hmm. might not play after this. Right, right. You know, you, you may not be able to play after this. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I had a young man that his sophomore year, he had 180-some carries. And he was the backup. He was the second-string guy. Uh-huh. The, the first guy had 200-some carries. He was having a great junior year. Got banged up a little bit. Didn't finish as strong as he liked to have. And his senior year, he got about forty carries. So wow. you talking about going? From, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was one of those dudes. He's gonna be the next guy that's gonna go to the league, you know? Because the starter that year went to the league, and he was gonna be the next guy. So it was like, yeah, he's going to be the next one. And, you know, you go from 180 carries to 40. I mean, yeah, it's tough to get to the league on 40 carries. On 40 carries, yeah. That's a, that's a tough situation. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, in situations like that, <laughs> you just have to yeah, realize yeah. that, you know, you can control what you can control and exactly. you know, the things that you can't control, you know, you, you just have to deal with it. Um, right. Honestly, your perception is probably the most important thing, right? Um, you know, a lot of times we talk to our clients about being able to change their behaviors. You know, there, there's a, a technique which is called cognitive behavior therapy. And basically what that is is that, you know, I've related back to, you know, biblical science because as a man thinketh, so is mm-hmm. he, right? And so we just, yeah. we're using the same concepts because if you can change the way that you think, that's going to change your behavior. If you can change your behaviors, you can change your outcome, right? And with athletes, the biggest challenge sometimes is being able to transition those same talents that you have, right? Because, you know, contrary to popular belief, athletes aren't just people that's good at sports. Right. Right. You have to be very sound <laughs> mentally to be a good athlete. Mm-hmm. Very sound. You know, I, I, I really hate sometimes the stereotypes that are placed on athletes like, oh, he could just run with a ball. Oh, if you can memorize all of those plays and different codes and different colors and everything else that go along with it, uh, you have the brain capacity to do almost anything. And so if you can just shift the focus over to your other talents, right, and have that same tenacity, same desire, same commitment and determination, in other areas of your life as you did in sports, you're going to be just fine. This is true. This is so true. And it's, uh, but it's it's one of those things that, uh, as you said, the mind got to be right. The attitude's got to be right. Right. Where I think where some athletes get caught up is they put so much into hey, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. And when it doesn't happen, it's like, all right, 
What do I do now? I can't do anything. Right. When, when there's so much that they can do. And Absolutely. If, yeah, because as you said, if you have the mental capacity, the discipline to put yourself in position to play at a high level collegiately, to play, have that opportunity to possibly play on the next level, you have all the tools it takes to be successful in whatever business it is. Yep. But you got to think you can do it before you can do it. Right. You know, I, I don't know if people realize it a lot, but athletes are recruited into corporations far more than non-athletes. Right. And it's because we've already displayed that, one, mm-hmm. we can function in a team environment and take instruction. Three, we're dedicated to the mission. Right now, some people are selfish, but most athletes are not. Right, they're dedicated to the mission of being successful as a team. And then, lastly, you have an uncanny work ethic. You know, you can out outwork ninety five percent of people. Yep, that is true. And, and then just having, true. you know, that self-esteem and belief in yourself, you know, all of those things transition everywhere else. You know, so that's why I said if you can be a, a, a great athlete, you can be anything. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That's, that's great information, man. That is very good because it's – you know, uh, a quote that I often use is, if you're not mentally prepared, you can never be physically prepared. And it is that mental fortitude to get yourself ready that will allow you to get yourself ready when it's in the business world. Mm-hmm. And it's and I think another thing that that's there, it's it's kind of like in a game, you know it's never over until it's over. Right. So kind of right. like in life, regardless of what's going on, I know we still got a chance to go on and be successful. And if you if you take that same attitude, it's not over until it's right. over. So hey, it don't look good right now, but we got to keep fighting. Because there's days on the field when it looks like, man, we get ready to get a butt cut, and you come back and find a way to win. Same thing in life. The same mental fortitude yeah. you got to have. Um, now, and being able to deal with you know negative things and, and, and right. like you said, right. be able to bounce back. Now, let me ask you this: we, we've talked about it being kind of mental health part of things being kind of taboo um, on the athletic side of things. What can we do uh-huh. to bring awareness and, and change that? Talk about it more, um, you know, and, and make it where it's okay to bring those issues to someone. Um, you know, I, and, and I'll say this, 
And I say it just because of, uh, you know, a lot of athletes in this country are African-American, right? And in our community, there has always been a heavy stigma on mental health issues. We don't really talk about those type of things. But part of that is because we're not really represented there. Um, When I first went back to school, one of the first things they told us is, if you're going to be a good counselor, you need to get a counselor. Because you're going to be dealing with issues that, you know, may weigh heavy on you. and You're going to need someone that you can take those issues to. And so Mm -hmm. I was looking like looking for someone like myself, could not find anyone. Right. Because right now, as far as licensed therapists, only 5% of the industry is African-American and about 95% of African-Americans are African-American women. Mm. So there, there were no men that looked like me that I could go talk to. And so that being said, we need to get more involved. Um, and to some degree, we have coaches that we can talk to. You know, a lot of right. our coaches here, and I, I know you've experienced this too, where you may have a young man, a young lady that have things that they've discussed with you that they don't feel comfortable discussing at home. Yep, no doubt. You know, no and doubt. so when that happens, if it's something that's, a little bit more serious, you know, just be open to being able to guide them to the help that they need, you know, from a professional and let them know it's okay. You know, it's it's okay. There's no problem with that because what you don't want to happen is that it grows into a bigger issue later on, really hurts you. And of course we've seen examples of that. Um, I'll use Josh Gordon as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't tell me that those behaviors weren't there before. Right. But they go overlooked. You know, sometimes people, you know, consider talent over everything. And so, mm-hmm. young man didn't get the help he needed. And yep. so, yeah, just having more awareness and being able to, to talk about it, to discuss it. You know, finding someone that you feel comfortable with. You know yourself better than anyone else will. So if you feel that something's not right, if you notice that you've been extremely sad for what seems like a long period of time, just not right, or you're having constant negative thoughts that don't make sense, Mm -hmm. or you're anxious about something without the evidence of why you should be anxious about, you know, go talk to somebody. Right. Because sometimes it can be corrected with just, you know, being able to hear yourself say it out loud and someone Mm -hmm. giving you some feedback. Right. And that that might not always be the case, but on occasion, sometimes you just need to let that stuff out and let somebody help you find what's triggering that. Exactly. Exactly. That's good, man. That's crazy. I definitely appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's good. Now, before I let you go, all right, we're gonna we're gonna 
shift gears a little bit to some basketball, and I want you to tell me who you who you got tonight. Brooklyn Nets or the Boston Celtics? Who you got? Uh, I got to go with Brooklyn. Got to go with Brooklyn. I've, I've been a KD fan for the longest, even though yeah. my squad didn't draft him when he came out. <laughs> who is your squad? The Portland Trailblazers. Oh. You must have been a Portland Trailblazers fan back to, was it Clyde Drexler? Yeah, I've been a Portland fan for a long time. Been been heartbroken for a long time too. If <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 you a Dallas fan? No, definitely not. Oh. Okay, good. No, you're oh, a man, you know, I'm, a, I'm a Bears. I'm a Bears fan. So <laughs> I'm excited oh, this year. <laughs> well, good. All right, what about the Clippers and the Mavericks? Um, I, I'll pick the Clippers just because I, I don't think they're going to take two L's from them back to back. Right. Right. The, um, I, I think Kawhi might yeah. step up. Yeah. Kawhi. Yeah. Yep. Clippers are underperforming, though. They, their team yeah. on paper is way too good to play like they're playing right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, was it was it earlier last year or was it earlier this year when it was just on fire and then it just died out. Yeah, it was earlier this year. But they they just you know, in last year they they I don't know. It, they don't play to the the level you would expect them to play. Now, you know, do you think it's sometimes you can have too many good players on the team. Yeah, I think, think they got the, great players, but they don't have any leadership. Right, and they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't have a distinct leader on their team. Like between right. Kawhi and Paul George, they they haven't figured out who is their actual leader, like their emotional leader on the team. Exactly, exactly. We'll see if they can get that figured out. Because if they get it figured out, they they definitely got some some shooters and they they got some guys that can make some things happen. Yeah. And so and then, now I'm I'm, one, I'm rooting for Memphis though. You rooting for Memphis? I'm, I'm put I'm I'm pulling for Memphis, man. Just I like I want to see them go as far as they can as long as they don't beat us. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I like the kid John Morant, man. He uh, and he he's gonna be a good one. Memphis playing. You mean Dallas Memphis is playing? Memphis not playing. Right? No, nah, they're not playing tonight. I'm just saying in the playoffs. No, I, I want mean, to see them do well. I don't know. If they, are they in the playoffs? Yeah, they're in the playoffs. They just knocked off. Uh, who did they beat? Um, man, I can't think of it right now. But they just beat somebody got, in, in the play-in. You got the 76ers and the Wizards. Mm-hmm. You got the Nets and the Celtics. You got the Bucks and the Heat. You got the Knicks and the Hawks. Oh, that must be where it is right there. I'm missing it. I'm missing the top. I'm missing the – yeah, okay. They got Utah. They got Utah. But, yeah, I, 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 I like his heart. Yeah, yeah. And I, so, I think they're young and not 
they don't even realize they shouldn't be winning. <laughs> so. All right. And then the one that a lot of eyes are going to be on, the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, I mean, I don't, if you give me LeBron at 60%, <laughs> over, over probably 90% of the league at 100%. No. All they do, all they do is hand out championships, man. Well, you know, most of his championships got an asterisk beside it. What's the asterisk? That they were back to back to back to back. <laughs> no. Well, the last one was an asterisk because it was COVID. Right. Um, the one against the Warriors are asterisks because uh, if they don't throw uh, Draymond Green out, they're probably done in five. Right. Well, this this is why. If he's on the court, I feel like they always have a chance because there's some ten year old kids out here right now that if they basketball fans, all but one year of their life, they've seen him in the finals. Yeah. Ain't one but three of them, right? Yeah, that's true. He won the three, but but he always there. <laughs> you got to get there to win it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, to me that's different than Tom Brady. Tom Brady, he he been there. He didn't go every year, but he was at the Super Bowl ten out of twenty one years, which is amazing. Yeah, that's that's insane. No, I'm not insane. But you got to respect that. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I, and, and I, I feel. Believe, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to say, I still believe Tom Brady won two Super Bowls because the opposing uh, offensive coordinators want to be a guru. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would have to agree. Cause yeah. I mean, as beloved as, as football is. Yeah. I mean, and then, hey, it's third. I, I had the question second. Atlanta. Oh, big time. Atlanta, it's third and one. You up by 16 points. Why are you dropping right. back to throw the ball? That makes no sense. It, let's let's start with this, Everett. Let's start with this. You were averaging about five point one yards a carry. Yeah. You got two running backs that you know will go over a hundred yards in this game. All you have to do is work the clock. That's it. There's, no. there's my pop Warner coach is not gonna put the ball in the air. So how you get a whole team of offensive coaches <laughs> to agree to throw in the ball, I, I don't know. Hey, and then on top of that, so so not only do you throw the ball on 31, but now it's an eight-point game. You make a big play. You're in field goal range. Right. Taking me three times, take your field goal, you're up by two scores. The game's over. It's less than three minutes over. to go in the game. Right. But no, you want to keep throwing the ball. Right. Like, uh, that's the first yeah. time I've ever felt like a Super Bowl was fixed. Well, no. Hey, the Steelers and and the and the Cowboys, when doggone, uh, what's his name, threw two picks to that dude, and then that dude fell off the face of the earth. No, yeah. Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> Neil O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> 
how you throw the dog on receivers 15, years down, 15 yards down the field and you throwing a pick to the, the DB just standing there by himself. I mean, really. <laughs> you can't be that off. So that wasn't the that, – that was the first. That was the first. But, yeah, but I agree. Yeah. That, that definitely had a fixed field, too. And, and if I'm the head yeah, coach, I, just, I couldn't I'm understand. Find offensive coordinator. Yeah, huh? you have to. You have to. Oh, no, no. Hey, hey, at the press conference, it would have been, you know what? Shanahan's fired. But Coach Hill took the job. And, and, <laughs> and the I don't care. He's fired. <laughs> Let the record show I fired him after the game before he left. So let me ask you this. You averaging five yards a tote, right? Let's say we yep. won't even in, in the wishbone offense. What is Coach right. Taft going to do? Oh, run the ball. Run the ball. What's your high school coach going to do? Run the ball. And you You're going to carry the ball. You're up by two, not just two scores, two scores and two extra points. Right. Yeah. You run the yeah. ball, the you break one, the clock. Yeah, and then the other one was Seattle. If it's second and one from the one, and I got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. I'm oh man! Marshall. Oh man! That that and was unbelievable. Yeah, and if they stop him, and it's third and one from the one, I'm giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Yep. If they stop him again, I'm gonna call timeout, and I'm gonna say if they're bad enough to stop Marshawn Lynch three straight times with one yard, they deserve to win the Super Bowl. Give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> so so back to what I was saying earlier <laughs> if you're going to be a running back you need to expect to deal with a certain level of trauma cause <laughs> oh, oh, no doubt, no doubt they don't, they don't respect us <laughs> oh, and that was one of those where we looked I'm, I'm sure it was probably a, where the analytics said that uh, they would be expecting to run, so we decided. I don't know this. I'm just imagining this is this is what we're saying. <laughs> but that's what but you need a yard. <laughs> I'm just going back to those fundamental sound football. It's right. One, I mean, you need one yard, and I got the baddest running back in the business. Right. I'm giving it up. Now, if it's third it down, fourth down, I can see you thinking about doing something different. But yeah. first or second down? Hey, it's the fourth quarter. The game, we score, it's over. It's, it's over. over. Right. Over. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. That is an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, but but on the other side, it's saying, well, if it would have worked, he would have been a genius. No, nah, I still would have been talking trash. <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, and you know what? It, it's not so much that I have a problem that they didn't run the ball. Right. The biggest issue I have is the pass play you called. You're throwing a slant on the goal line? <laughs> At least throw a fade. Let it be either right. catch it or no catch it. Everybody's inside. With the, where, where are you going with that? <laughs> well, hey, now, see, now my mind immediately goes to the Florida State-Auburn National Championship, which for some reason they're playing outside leverage on the goal line 
and they throw the slant to win. Why, why, why are they playing outside lanes? I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. That was called up to speak. He was expecting a fade. But uh, he didn't do it outside. that. But hey. But it is all good, man. So so I wonder, um, as, as we're talking about mental health, um, what was the running backs feeling in the Atlanta game and what was Marshawn Lynch feeling? In it? Well, we know what Marshawn Lynch did. He, did, he didn't hold his tongue. Right. <laughs> he did commercials about everything. So you know Marshawn was, was upset. But what about the right. running backs in Atlanta? From a mental standpoint, well, you have to be disappointed, you know. Um, right. First and foremost, you're gonna question <laughs> where was the trust level, right? You know, we've carried you all night, so yep. what you saying? You, yep. you can't depend on us, you know. Hey. And those are the things you have to ward off, you know. That's when when I say about those negative thoughts. Things that you can't control, you can't allow those things in. Exactly. Right? But exactly. in that type of yep. situation, it, it brings about those things. That's, that's the type of thing that will create self-doubt if you're not careful. Exactly. Because exactly. the situation is so crazy. It's like, well, maybe it was me because <laughs> 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 I, know, I know they know better. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, they just they just didn't trust me. That's, that had to be what it was. <laughs> but wait, I was averaging five yards a carry. That can't be it. Right. Now, here's another another thing. Just just uh, before we close, just talking about Marshawn. You got to wonder. Um, was the things going on off the field part of the decision in throwing that ball? Because you got to remember, that's what Marshawn was saying, I'm only here so I don't get fined. Right. Now, if so, – So so did they say – Me hey, personally, I would say yes, you know, yeah. um, and that would take us into a whole category of discussion. <laughs> yep, no doubt about it. And, and, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. So I won't go so far exactly. into that, but I, I honestly think that it, it did play a part. Right. You know, right. I, I I do think it played a part. Um, just like I feel like, you know, what's going on in Houston right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some things that play a part in that as well. Right. Yep. 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 That's true. That's so true. And and the thing is, being on the outside looking in, you don't know the whole story. And that's why, you know, I hate to speculate on anything, but, you know. Exactly. Yep, that is so true. That is so true. So, but, hey, man, I definitely enjoyed it, man. Appreciate you joining us tonight. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on again at some point just so we can talk a little bit more about the uh, the mental health set, side of things. I think that is so important for a young athlete to go on and understand, as you said, it's okay to not be okay. And to yes, talk sir. to somebody about, and and I think that would definitely help them be a better athlete 
and, and of course, avoid some of the issues that, that some of our young men have to deal with. Yes, sir. I, I'll put it in a term I know they'll understand. You know, um, mm-hmm. in, in sports, you're expected to play hurt, but nobody expects you to play injured, right? If you have a, a mental health issue, that's an injury. That's an injury. So that you have to uh, you have to address that. Gotcha. So mental health is an injury. Okay, that's a great way to put it. Man, I appreciate it. Um, and again, we will uh, definitely get you back on at some point. All right. Thank you. I, I appreciate everybody. it. Enjoy being here. Yes, everybody. We're we're gonna go on and, and close this thing out. Please remember, um, if you're available, we have a golf tournament, and we still have some spots open uh, on June the fourth down in Conway, South Carolina, at the Hackler Golf Course. Uh, which is on Coastal Carolina's campus. And we also have some more room for some T-Box sponsors as well. So definitely love to get your support there. And then also please put on your calendar, June 26th is going to be the free football and cheerleading camp. And, uh, again, what we do is we have a bunch of guys that played for me, some guys that played with me to come in and be the coaches. And this year we also have some current Citadel players that will come down and, and help us out as well. Uh, but that is a free camp. And another thing for all of my pre-registered uh, campers, we'll get a new pair of shoes, a new pair of cleats. My girls will get a new pair of sneakers. Um, so definitely we're, we're urging you to go on and, and, uh, and pre-register. You can go online at www.wesffc.com. Again, that is www com, and we're definitely looking forward to uh, everybody joining us and you all have a great night and we'll talk to you soon take care
coming off black. If all your suckers that don't know, check it out. 